Well, hello, and welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast, the podcast all about flight and learning to fly in, well, the middle of your life. And uh, this is uh, episode number 27, and tonight it is our top tips for things you should know slash do slash good advice for the first 100 hours of your private pilot certificates. And my name is Chris Moran. I'm the Midlife Pilot on YouTube. And to my, oh, let's flip these guys around. To this other side of the screen is our co-host, Brian Siskin from the Heart of Music Row. Good evening, sir. What's going on, my friend? Oh, just living a dream. What about you? What's uh, What's been happening? Uh, well, you know, um, I was supposed to do some spin training today, um, but the weather was overcast and gusting 19. So uh, I think I had made a joke in, in our Discord that... Um, I would have loved to have combined somehow simulated instrument with, yeah, <laughs> with that, but uh, no go. Um, so gonna have to reschedule that for what is now next year. So wow. Uh, so I'm kind of bummed about that, but um, I didn't really think about um, how far away I'd have to go for that, and then getting back in time to do this. So at least I'm not having to worry about rushing back to do this. I so, see. All good, and then otherwise, yeah, just been you know, flying a bit here and there. And, um, Hey, by the way, I don't know if I told you this or if you saw this, it's totally random, but, um, I found a stream, uh, a YouTube account that's uh, music city, something aviation, uh, plane spotting kind of, uh, account. Oh yeah. And they only had one live stream that they did, uh, from John Toon. And, um, of course it happened to be, on the day of the fly and it's all of us going out to go to Tullahoma. So uh, that was a pretty neat little find as if there's not already enough footage uh, from our, nobody cares flying from a month or two ago, whatever it was. Well, that's Uh, great. Now there's even more, Uh, but that was kind of a neat little find. It's always random, you know, like when you click the internet and then you are like, Oh, that's me. That wait, that's right. You know, I, so, check um, that out. Uh, I think I saw you yeah, posted cool. somewhere in the discord, didn't you? And I, I haven't, uh, yeah. I haven't clicked on it yet to look at it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. So, uh, you know, Josh is in there and some others. So, um, pretty cool. But anyway, you know, yeah, just doing all the flying things and, um, uh, had a fun gathering with, um, two of, uh, our sort of, uh, loyal patrons and, and friends, uh, Autumn and, um, Steve Cross, had some beers with them the other night. And so that was good. And honestly, that's kind of uh, my impetus to this conversation, because I think a lot of what we were talking about, Steve's about to get his check ride. Autumn won't be far behind. And, and, you know, I I can't speak to a lot as a low hour, 230 hour pilot or whatever I am, but I can speak to, you know, how impactful the first hundred hours is and, and uh, you know, what you kind of uh, learn and should be attenuated to, I think, um, after you've, you've got your check ride done. And it's a, it's a strange, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, we've, we did an episode demystifying the private pilot check ride. If you haven't, uh, listened to that or seen that, go check it out. But I think there's something to be said for just this very particular spot, right? Like right after you get your license, there's a lot of sort of, you know, now what, and we've covered some things like destinations and stuff like that, but I don't think we've ever really just bared down and said, okay, the focal length here is, is a hundred hours, what should people be focused on? And so I uh, dropped uh, a little feeler into the Discord that patrons can access and got some great feedback from 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 people in there. And we, uh, together, we all combined our, our great collective uh, 
genius uh, and uh, and came up with a list of ten things. So that's that's the that's the serve up for that. Nice, super cool. I have not been flying at all. How's the weather been there in West Virginia? Uh, about you know it's winter and gross, and so the days have become very limited. Uh, to when it gets you can dark get at four o'clock, and yeah, exactly. So yeah, I haven't haven't really got to do any uh, any flying lately. Um, I really like the topic though. I did when you sent me the idea for this show because I do think um, it was a good reminder for me even to look through that li- the list that we started talking through. And I thought, man, this is just good stuff. Uh, probably even beyond the hundred hour, you know, kind of mark where you're at. So I think it's going to be pretty exciting. But um, before we jump into it, though, I want to remind everyone that's hearing this audio podcast that we record these live every other Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So we've got a bunch of people in the, in the live stream on YouTube uh, chat with us tonight. So we'll be hearing from those folks that are in here. So if you're here and have some tips also on things that, that are great for, you know, things to think about through the first hundred hours, post those and we'll get to reading that content. Um, and if you are checking us out in the audio podcast and have not yet done so, we would definitely appreciate uh, the hitting the subscribe button so that you won't miss the new content. And if you can leave us a rating uh, on Apple, especially, and uh, even a review. And we actually have a couple of only good uh, ones though. Only good reviews and ratings. Correct. We actually have a couple of, uh, of ratings. I'm going to read two real quick. A couple of reviews that have been left on Apple podcasts. Um, uh, Dear Spanish left a note that said, this podcast is not only a terrific source of useful and important information for pilots, it's also a meeting point of a community of pilots committed to getting better and having fun. When you start listening, get involved, submit questions, comment during the live stream, and come meet up with others in the group. So thank you. That hits the nail on the head. It's kind of a... uh, It's kind of a uh, collective. You know, it's a community that we're building here. Um, Thank you for that. Yes, appreciate that very much. And uh, Bsen three three nine left a comment that said, uh, "Over forty and starting to fly. This is your podcast. I subscribe to a lot of aviation podcasts, but this one is different in the best possible way. I got my private license at age forty nine, and the challenges are." different for midlifers. Chris and Brian do an excellent job talking about starting up in aviation a little later in life. I connected with what they were saying from the very first episode. So thank you also for that one. Nice. Very cool to hear. Yeah. So there. We've done our housekeeping. Our housekeeping. Let me follow the check. Let me follow the new episode checklist. That was <laughs> housekeeping, Chris. Check, check. <laughs> oh, we forgot the important one. Uh, uh, section three, number three. Oh, uh, yeah. we are. Uh, this entire show is, uh, and really everything that we create is uh, Patreon supported. And both Brian and I have uh, Patreon. Uh, channels. The information for those is in the description of the YouTube video. Uh, it's also, I believe, in the description of our podcast uh, episodes. So if you're so inclined and would like to join us up in those communities here, a lot of things are going on. Brian's got a really active um, Discord server. There's some private channels in there for uh, Patreon members. There's just a lot that's kind of building in these communities. And uh, so anyway, uh, your time there and uh, any anything you can contribute is super helpful to helping to make this stuff. It's not a this is not a um, revenue generator for us, but there are <laughs> there are costs and things involved in doing it. So, um, yeah, 
It'd be yeah, great. Why, why not that. add a, a podcast uh, to our recreational gas burning? You know, mm-hmm. let's just go full on and and all of, all of our endeavors. Um, uh, yeah, and so and by the way, thanks, uh, Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa Miller, uh, so glad you got caught up on all of the episodes and she's saying that she's now qualified to join the live audience just for those uh, who are listening to the audio only podcast. There really are no qualifications, but we do appreciate that people think there might be. Right. Yeah, that's that's super kind. All right. Well, let's jump into it then. Yeah, let's do this. And so, you know, these are not in rank order. These are... Uh, we are not flight instructors. <laughs> like how, how many disclaimers can we put out there? Like we're barely capable human beings, much less, <laughs> no, but, um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and take the first one because it's really easy. Sure. Um, and we will just kick them back and forth. Sure. Um, and then, you know, really would love for people in the chat to, um, you know, if there's any additional context to any of these or, uh, any other ideas that people have, please kick them out and we'll, we'll, try to pull them into the chat after we get through our 10 and then we'll be able to offer maybe, I don't know, maybe even 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, the first one, so uh, first hundred hours, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of things to consider and, you know, we've talked about, you know, should you get your instrument rating right out of private and all this kind of stuff. We're not getting into that today. We're just kind of thinking about it more from what our experience has been um, looking back uh, to that, maybe in the last year, what have we experienced and what, you know, what, what are we glad we knew to do or what did we, you know, wish we knew a little bit more to do? Hmm. So the first one, this is a very, very simple one, but I think a lot of people forget it. Um, update your renter's policy. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, my renter's policy is not especially expensive per se, but I mean, it definitely helps to go from student pilot uh, status to private pilot status. So irrespective of, even, of really even your hours, I think it actually helps. So, you know, I'm not, I can't speak for what your insurance company does or whether you have insurance, you should probably have it. Um, and uh, yeah, so just, you know, one of the first things you should do if you haven't done it already is, is update your insurance your renter's insurance policy. Yes. If you're, if you're a renter, if, if you're a owner, please don't. Well, you should update your own. You should, I mean, if you're an o- owner, as yes. a pilot, you definitely also, although a lot of insurance companies as owners, especially won't let you, that discount won't apply till the next policy year, typically. So it does on renters. You I think you can do your renter's policy at any time, but I think owners are uh, most insurance companies don't let you take that advantage of that discount until your next policy renewal. But, um, and I'll say one quick thing about renter's insurance, something that we were just talking about in our flying club recently, here's something mm-hmm. you may not have thought about before. So like if you're renting from a flight school or like in your case, Brian, like, well, I don't know all, all the different contexts of where you can rent planes from. A lot of times what will happen is they, they have an insurance policy and then the renter will have a renter's policy and your renter's policy will cover the deductible. Like if you were to do some serious damage to the airplane, your mm-hmm. policy would cover the deductible and then the school's policy or whatever would take over. And people think, well, I'll just carry like $5,000 of, you know, haul coverage to make the deductible. And, you know, just assume you're going to be fully covered with the school's policy. It's not always a safe assumption. Um, there are other contexts that come in, like if they if they didn't have high enough like liability limits, for instance, and there was an injury to someone else or somebody else's property, it could still come back, you know, to you, and then your secondary coverage again would pick up beyond that. So mm-hmm. it's 
always a good idea. Renter's insurance is pretty cheap, you know, dollar for what you get out of it. So like, um, I think if you can afford a couple hundred dollars a year and, and pick up a, you know, half million dollar liability and then an actual reasonably close to the whole damage, the whole cost of the plane you're flying. Um, yeah. That's kind of my, I'm again, I'm not an insurance agent or an attorney or a flight <laughs> instructor, but that's kind you of my, on television. That's kind of my uh, input on renter's insurance. Awesome. All right. Perfect. Well Good done. job. So, so number, number two, two on the list, uh, and this is kind of an interesting one, I think, because you talk a lot about this during training and it's a big part of your thing. And then with four flight and EFBs today, it's pretty easy to just stop worrying about this. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's just you flying. You don't always think about it every time in the same plane because you just kind of know where you're at. Weight and balance is a thing to think about, especially as you just get your private and start thinking about hauling your friends around and throwing a bunch of people in the airplane. Um, and it's not just like the raw, I guess we could throw performance considerations in here too, in addition to weight and balance. Like you may say, well, this is within the profile. We're four and a half pounds under max takeoff weight and it's 97 degrees and, you know, beautiful afternoon. And let's, you know, there's a lot of factors. Always, always, always do your weight and balance. Always do your performance calculations, takeoff and landing distance, especially the first few times you're starting to add weight to the airplane that you may not have flown with before. Yeah. Not to mention that you're probably going to be, well, not probably you're very likely to be um, training or flying all of a sudden in a different plane. You're going to join a club or you're going to be renting from another place. And so you're going to not have that native familiarity with the useful load of that particular aircraft that maybe you've been training in. And you're just, you know, you, you're not going to be, it may, it may not immediately come to mind because you've never had to think about how much fuel am I hauling. You're just topping off all the time during training and it's just you and your instructor and the plane generally does fine with that. And so you've just never really had to think about, do I need to have half tanks here to get this, uh, you know, this done. But all that being said, let's also back off from probably, I mean, a hundred hours is a pretty broad broad spectrum of time. I would say in the earlier part of that, perhaps don't fly around with a full plane of people. If you, anyway, I mean, you can, but it's like, that's just a lot like build, build up to that. Like you have everything else. Sure. Uh, comments, uh, in the chat currently going on, uh, fly sport says, uh, weight and balance, unless you have Ben's beast, of course, talking about the sages, 300 horsepower, 182. So <laughs> you, it takes a lot to get that plane out of, uh, out of, uh, balance, I'm sure. Or my 235, one dog geek said, and it's, it is kind of that it is easy to get complacent in the same plane. Like we just know we could throw four adult humans my size plus a couple hundred pounds in the luggage and still be good in the 235 so but yes you're right especially as you're moving around um it might still be a 172 you know but man those can really vary uh i mean the one i trained in had this insane useful load of you know a thousand um which is bonkers for a 172 uh, that's not going to be the case for most 172. So, right. uh, and I like what Alyssa said here about um, uh, getting enrolled in the wings program and having that be, that's sort of like, it's like the AAA discount of, <laughs> of, uh, of aviation. So that's a good idea um, to, you know, leverage those wings credits for, uh, for whatever you can. Yeah. And that's not in our list, but wings, it, that's a great program. If you're not familiar with it, the FAA wings there, there is so much content. I mean, so much content 
Uh, in addition, you can, uh, to, to the insurance benefit of a little discount, you also can, it counts towards your, um, buying a flight review, your, or your flight, I guess your flight review, as it's called now. Um, I'm not sure exactly the formula for how that works, but you get credit towards that and can, uh, you may actually be able to completely, I think you might be able to eliminate it or at least the ground portion. I'm not sure how the formula works, but there's tons yeah, yeah. of benefits to the wings credit or wings program. So you should check that out too. Totally. All right, number three, um, what we have here is, and you know, I think that, uh, and, and by the way, the last one about weight and balance, that was from, that was Josh's suggestion. So shout out to Josh for that. Um, and I think this one kind of came from uh, one dull geek, more or less, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It, usually anything wise comes from, from him, right? So um Consider flying solo to a destination first before taking passengers. And so that seems like, you know, uh, maybe a little overcautious, maybe to some people or maybe a little excessive, but I can say for sure that the, the new sort of form of saturation that you have as a newer pilot is that threshold is still pretty weak you know, when you first get out of the gate after a hundred hours, you're, you're going to be doing, a lot, you know, post check mm-hmm. ride, you'll be, you know, you'll be doing a lot better, but, uh, going to unfamiliar places, you know, you just, you just don't want to have, um, you know, passengers that might be presenting any kind of attention challenges or anything else on top of managing an unfamiliar place. It doesn't mean that like every other, every place you go, you need to make sure you go there by yourself first. But, you know, I think that for some, maybe some of the more, you know, ambitious trips or complicated airspace um, or just to get familiar visually, it doesn't have to be the most, you know, complicated place either. Uh, it's just not a bad strategy, right? You're going to be doing some flying by yourself anyway. Um, you know, make that a, a an option for you to do, you know, a little recon uh, before you take passengers to, to a place. I, I, I love that idea. Yeah, I, th- I do too. I think that's, I think that's good. Like you said, it won't apply necessarily to every, you won't be able to do it every time. Uh, but if you can make it work, um, I think it's good anymore. I count on my passengers. It seems like everybody I fly with is better at seeing other airplanes and finding the airport like than me. It's yeah. like, those are my two, like, so I, people be like, oh, the air, it's right there. Is the field? It's right there. And I'm going, is that, a, is that the airport? I can't. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah. All it right. Still no, happens. Those, those moments where you're like, Oh wait, it's right there. <laughs> it's under me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a bit definitely been there. Oh, there, there it is. Um, all right. Number four, uh, treat every flight. Like the DPE is still sitting in the right seat. Um, yeah, I mean, that would that definitely take some intentionality, I think, to do, but it's <laughs> Chris, you're not buying this one. You're these are I mean, our, these are our 10 tips, and then you're not selling this. No, I'm in. I think, I think you, even if it's, <laughs> even if it's just, in, I'm, I say I'm in, even if it's just as in a, um, like conceptually, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't know that it means like a lot of things have happened, like, you know the way I use checklists has changed. Like as a student, I was the, like, yeah. I was the, like read the thing and do them. And now it's like, do all the things and then take a look at the checklist to make sure I didn't miss anything. Right. It's like, it's like those yeah. kind of things, which either still would have been, a, I mean, I could have done either with the DPE and that's still accurate. So I guess, yeah. I guess the point is well taken. Like, yeah, do, do things the right way all the time. 
you know, don't cut corners. Like, yeah. And I think, I think there's some sort of tertiary benefits to that modality too, which is to say like, when you're with a DPE, you are, and hopefully you've been doing this all along before your check ride, but on your check ride, you're verbalizing what you're doing. Right. And by virtue of the fact that you're speaking out loud, if you just pretend like your passenger is a DPE, you know, I mean, you're not going to sit there and say like, well, you know, then you're not going to hit them with like shop talk, but there's just something about, uh, I've like, I find, you know, flying with passengers that I find myself pretty verbose about, you know, for people that are unfamiliar, especially, right. Like I, right. I either want somebody to, if I, if they are a pilot, I want them to know that I'm already thinking about this thing. So like, you know, I'll say, you know, okay, I'm getting a little low. All right. I'm going to fix that, you know, whatever, you know, so I do that even with people that are not pilots. And so I think that maybe that's like a weird kind of corollary to, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be thought about so strictly as like the DPE in the right seat, but just sort of like some sort of other voice or, or, you know, voice of reason perhaps in the, in the right yeah. seat that, that you just want to assure that, that you're doing the right things and that you're aware of what's going on. There are some good, um, there's some good commentary going on in the chat. Um, that I just want to mention real quick. Uh, we were talking about taking passengers with you, you know, you said, don't load the plane up and that don't load the plane up with people right afterwards. And you, you spawned quite a, um, quite a discussion in the uh, chat. Uh, Alyssa started by saying, I got chastised in direct messages on Facebook by someone who felt I was being irresponsible by taking my sister as a passenger a week after my check ride. Um, and uh, Stinky Weasel, uh, who I know is a friend of mine in the flying club where I'm at, said, I literally had my wife and son jump in the plane for a flight around the home airport within one hour of coming home from my check ride. Alyssa, mm -hmm. you're fine. <laughs> uh, I did the same. I mean, I had people, you know, pretty much the same day. I took my buddy Kevin to Elkins like the day after my, yeah. uh, my, you know, my second time ever to Elkins. And we, so, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the point was more like, don't push the limits of the airplane. Don't load, you know, four people in the airplane is a lot different than like your wife and son. Like that's a different kind of, uh, kind of vibe. So yeah. Yeah. Everyone is fine. You're, you're a licensed pilot. There's nothing irresponsible about taking a passenger, um, for a flight in your airplane. Just don't take any other people, uh, that aren't your family, right? Like somebody else's family, like that you don't know them. Don't, <laughs> Don't yeah, take I, strangers and put them in the plane, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. Okay. Would you take a stranger in the plane? <laughs> That's actually a good question. I've seen somebody uh, on the YouTubes do that before. It was just totally a like uh, kind of a random thing, and I just thought, man, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I need to have a little context around the person, uh, Absolutely. if that's going to be the case. So uh, maybe we'll add that as number eleven. Like, you know, try not to fly randos. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the next one, uh, and so this one, I think we are all are in agreement with and have a lot of different ways that we've kind of um, uh, done this for ourselves. Uh, so number five is to maintain a training mindset. You know, just because you've got your check ride done doesn't mean that now it's just time to play. Uh, it is time to play, but it's also time to, you know, the training is on you now. Um and so, you know, maneuvers, practicing maneuvers, holding yourself to particular standards, you know, doing pattern work. It's not just for, you know, uh, you know, your training. So I think you just have to, 
you kind of have to come up with um, a wave, you know, something, you know, some people do it programmatically. I know that one dull geek has got it hard scheduled, you know, to do essentially a self uh, flight review, uh, doing all the maneuvers and, and needing to do those to the ACS. You know, I think that's a bare minimum, uh, a, a really good thing to do. There's a lot of different ways that people can do it, but I think that more than anything, it's a, it's a mentality. That's also the gateway to kind of improving your minimums and things like that is, you know, I, when you see the right opportunity to go, this is a great day to go train in, you know, uh, the crosswind is a direct crosswind today and it's only one to two knots more than my minimums. And it's a very wide runway and I feel good and it's pretty consistent. It's not super gusty and right. weird. And like, this is a perfect day. Like you have to have that training mindset of, you know, going out and seeking out this kind of opportunities to, to keep proficient and, and improve also. Absolutely. And I can get, I can tell you my experience was it was difficult for a while because I was going, I got in the phase where we were going places a lot now. Like that's kind of the only time I was flying was to like go to here or go to this other place. Um, and you end up with like one landing, you know, each yes. long, you, you build two or three hours at a time and one landing and that's all you've done all this time. And before you know it, it's like, it's been months since I've done anything, but like one takeoff and landing, normal takeoff and landing at a thing. And, yeah. um, so it, it is good to get out and just, uh, I mean, for me, it's not a regimented, like I don't have a, I don't have a schedule or like a, you know, a thing that I'm going to do, but like when the time presents itself and I think, man, I'm going to go up today and just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go out and do some maneuvers. I'm going to go work on this or work on this other thing. Or, um, I saw this cool thing on YouTube. I want to try, you know, like I've never thought about, um, you know, configuring at this point or doing this way or just, you know, it's to learn the airplane and to feel things and, um, that kind of stuff is pretty invaluable and it doesn't have to be regimented and like scripted. It's just kind of, um, I don't know, kind of organically feeling it out and, and working through it, but more than just flying from point A to point B with one landing at each end, I think is the kind of the point. Absolutely. I definitely, um, felt that, uh, you know, I realized pretty quickly on <laughs> pattern work is going to be critical, uh, and, and, and to try to do it, you know, at other places and all that. So, Training mindset. That's all. Uh, so now we're on to number six, yeah, number which six. kind of factors into this. Yeah, it does. Visit a lot. Visit, <clears throat> excuse me. Visit a lot of local airports and get to know the FBOs and services and whatnot. I think yeah. that's. Yeah, I think that's good too. Uh, for lots of reasons, you've got you make you make friends. You find out that gas is easy to get to and is a dollar cheaper than your home airport. Uh, you know. Um, they have a cool restaurant that you might want to take your buddy to, you know, for a hundred dollar hamburger. Uh, you feel more comfortable landing there if you ever need to, because you're, you know, it's a right. frozen place. I mean, there's a lot of good benefits. I think to go into other airports in your area. Yeah. And just, just getting familiar with the unfamiliar, you know, especially if it's proximate, those are going to be your alternates probably, you know, one day for something. And it's just nice to have already, you know, to have the confidence that you've already been in there when you weren't, you know, just needing to get there. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll, figure out that you know oh here's how you access every every gate code <laughs> here's the, right. the universal gate code key and the universal you know so you just one of the things that at least I didn't get in my training at all really was any of that tribal sort of assimilation or knowledge relative to to FBOs and you know it just seems weird uh as a sort of uh tangential add-on josh in the in the patreon uh or in the discord he said um you know don't be uh 
I guess I forget the word he uses, but sort of like, don't be sheepish, right? Like ask for what you want. And and he was talking about a lot of things, ATC, a lot of different things. But one of the things he was talking about that I definitely can relate to is just going to an FBO and and, and just when you're new and you're not familiar with it, you kind of sheepishly are in there sort of like, is this okay? Kind of, you know, like, no, you can go in there. Like they're there for you and you can, I'm not saying be a jerk, but you know, and demand things, but you can walk in there with a particular confidence to say, yes, I need, I need a crew car because I've got to get to this place and I need this to happen. Can you help me, you know, as opposed to just, uh, you know, sort of soft pedaling everything. I was fortunate in that I did get to experience some of that with my, with Tyler, with my mm-hmm. instructor. Uh, as an aside to that, you know, the, I think there are, there are kids, especially these days who are coming up in the like structured flight school you know, 141 programs. Yeah. Who are, you talk about not getting any of this outside knowledge. Like I, I met, this is no joke, a CF double I from with, with a student. They had to, well, I won't go into all the details, but basically was pumping fuel for his very first time. CF double I. Yeah. So, I mean, those wow. kind of things, I mean, it, it just kind of, it floored me because I thought I did that on lesson one. Like I, you know, I, like I knew how to ground the thing and, you know, yeah. with all the, like that was from the very beginning. I thought, how do you get that far and have never even like put gasoline, you know, put <laughs> low lead in your plane? It's like, um, it kind of shocked me, but I think there is some of that depending on the training environment that you're in. If you're at a school where like all that's handled for you and like, you know, it's, that's just not what it's you're not getting that but it's those are some of the scariest things aren't they right when you start going out on your own like how do i what's the decorum at the uh yeah at the fbo do i tip these guys or not like you know like what's the like that stuff for me and f- learning feeling my way through that early on was it was just really a challenge yeah and like you know maybe you've maybe you've fueled your plane but you've just never been at a bigger place where there's a line you know and how do you manage that or when you're coming into a, a place and um you, you know, you're going to be doing transient sort of parking or, you know, overnight parking for the first time. And you kind of roll in and there's nobody there to welcome you. And you don't really know, you know, somebody might run out and all of a sudden start, you know, it's, it's there's just all this, this right. kind of in between type of stuff that you just, you can't really get until you just get out there and, and suffer the indignities of, uh, you know, like even marshalling, right? I never oh, like, yeah. okay, that stuff's in the book. Okay. But I mean, come on. Right. And you get out there in the real world and you're, you're getting sometimes some pretty complex instructions right. or weird kind of, uh, you know, I've had some things where, you know, the guy was maybe getting frustrated with me and I just opened up the door and was like, Hey man, I, I'm really sorry. I had like, I, I thought you were telling me to do something totally Right. Different. And I'm not very smart. So uh, that was challenging for me too. Here are the three, here are the, like the, I think the three most important marshaling tra- When I learned the, fr- that they're going to be facing h- how my nose needs to go to them. Like that was an epiphany moment for me when like I pulled into this one place and the guy walked to a spot and turned his back on me. And I was like, I'm coming up behind this guy and I thought, Oh, I know what he wants me to do. He wants me to go around and face him. Like that was like a, 
moment. Um, so he doesn't want me to mow over him. <laughs> he doesn't want right. I should have just came up like behind him and stopped and parked and <laughs> shut the engine down. He's like, what are you doing? No, that was like a key one though. Like which direction he faces, he's going to be facing, you know, where you, he wants you to pull in. And, um, but some of the bigger airports, like even John Toon, when we came to see you, it was so crazy busy. They had follow me cars, you know, yeah. like they would, they would come out and meet you on a golf cart and you just kind of follow the cart sometimes. where it's going to go, which was helpful. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes, I don't think I've ever, as many times as I used to fly a plane from somewhere else and leave it here for four or five days and fly it a lot. And then, you know, being sort of overnight parking there. I don't think I ever got a follow me car once. I think it was Is just, that right? the guys would just kind of see you and just kind of mosey out. But it's, but that's what I'm saying is like as much as much as you start to think you understand any kind of routine, it's not one. There's it's always going to be different. You just got to get comfortable with, uh, you know, being flexible and figuring it out. So um, cool. And then uh, number seven kind of actually rolls back into number five where it's sort of an expansion of that. Um, but uh, is it your turn or mine? Yours. You're odd. Is it my turn? You're, you're odd. So. I'm odd. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, again, about the training mindset and even going further to ha- have a plan uh, or at least a, a methodology, a known way of going about expanding your minimums. And that is a very, you know, it. it's kind of like that first time your parents leave you at home by yourself and they're going to go out for the night. You're just sort of like, you've been wanting this the whole time. And then you get to that point and then you're like, wait, I, I don't have any, I don't have any supervision. And so I think that maybe one sort of thing we can kind of add on to this is to sort of maintain a relationship with your CFI and or another CFI and don't be afraid to ask them um, if you think it's a good day to work on your crosswind landings and, and improve that, you know, or if you want to, you know, maybe deal with slightly lower ceilings or, you know, whatever it might be, um, feel free to, you know, talk to people. Um, I've done things like, um, you know, before I started taking really, really, really long trips, uh, I would do my entire flight plan and route it out and everything. And then, uh, just hire a CFI to do a zoom call with me and just look it over, you know, so, uh, whether it's expanding your minimums or anything else, just, you know, make sure that you're, uh, that you've got some way that you're, you're mindfully doing that. You don't want to just get caught in a That's situation right. and then survive it and then say, well, I guess that means I can do that now. I think, um, I definitely think it's important to have a plan to do it. I'll tell an anecdotal story about some of the things that happened for me were like, um, we had, if you remember a couple summers ago, um, I don't know if it impacted you, Brian, as far south as you are, but there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of fires. Actually, it probably did. These oh, were like yeah. Canadian fires, when which was, is what's yeah. crazy. I was training in during that. Oh, okay. But like one of my first solos in that. But it blew my mind because it was like Canadian fires, but the smoke even here was a problem. It, it impacted, you know, visibility everywhere. And that summer there was like, um, there were many like afternoons and evenings where there was like the weather was perfect, but the visibility was like four miles. Um, I took opportunities in that to go out and say like, well, what does four miles visibility look like? <laughs> like when do you get to really see that? I mean, you know, unless you're, you know, it's hard to find weather that you're comfortable as a VFR pilot flying in at four miles, but this was like, yeah, 
the sky was clear forever. The weather was perfect, but it was like the visibility was reduced. And we're like, this is the perfect chance. So I would go out and just kind of, it was amazing how close you had to get to Clarksburg before you could see the air. I mean, like, this is crazy. I'm inside. I mean, I'm like almost there and can't see the field. And, yeah. um, but it was just really good to get. So that was kind of the, and I thought to myself, would I voluntarily do this? But no, but also, I mean, it's doable. Like you could, you could make that work if you had to. And then things like crosswind components was a big deal for me. Cause I was convinced I was terrified of crosswind stuff, but then the more you fly and you're on a trip and like, even though the forecast said this one thing, you get to your destination, you're, you know, you're approaching your destination. It's like, Ooh, I don't know. That's a few knots above my, what I've done before. And then you, you land and you think, okay, I mean, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And then you'd go out and do them a few more times. You're like, okay, well now instead of like, you know, five not crosswind component, I'm calling it like eight is my new number. And, you know, you just start kind of, you know, you don't want to, this isn't to say throw, throw caution to the wind and just go crazy, but you will invariably end up in a situation where the wind was supposed to be, you know, six knots and it's nine now. Yeah. And it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, you've got to kind of figure it out. And yeah, uh, I got into a situation like that when I flew out to Texas this year where, you know, just that weird realization where, you know, where it's like, I've been flying for two days straight. I'm, this is where I'm going. This is my destination. I, I'm not familiar with this area. Otherwise, this is where I need to be. This is a huge runway. It's a 150 foot wide runway, but the wind, you know, crosswinds are gusting 15 Plus, you know, like it was really wacky and, uh, my landings were my landings. I say two, cause I did one go around, uh, and then came around and <laughs> the second, my second approach was sort of like as bad as the one that I went around on, but I kind of just realized this is just getting worse and I'm not going to have a great landing here right now and right. just get the plane down and be safe about it and, and don't hurt the plane if you can. And, um, and so I got it down, but it was definitely one of those just, whew, you know, I did not enjoy that at all. I'm very glad to be on the ground, but that does not mean that all of a sudden my minimums are now That's know, right. 15 knot cross one. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I just have always found it's like, um, you don't know, you know, the old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Like until you've experienced, it's very hard to... I mean, without methodically working and slowly taking your time and working up to higher minimums, like you just don't know what it is until you, the only way you're going to do it is to do it. I mean, like, yeah. it's not like you can just say like, well, at 212 hours, I'll be eight, not crosswind, you know, like, no, that's not how it works. You've got to just do it. And so that, well, that, that sets up number eight really well, which is yours because you're even. It does. Uh, <laughs> fly long cross countries and go places. And yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, that's what we got it for really. Right. I mean, it was to um, go do things and see new things. And along the lines, the theme of learning, like it's also easy to get bored on these things, but also do you know how much you learn? Like stuff you're not even planning on trying to learn on these long cross country flights. Like I get more time messing with stuff in my plane, the avionics and the engine monitor and like 
all of the bells and whistles when you're in a long, like two and a half hour cruise portion. It's like that. What better time to like mess with all of your stuff? Um, and really figure out how th- I've, I've learned more. I, I swear I've learned more about my JPI engine monitor on long cross countries than I have at any other point in the process. So yeah, I mean, I think, uh, cross countries are great. Yeah. That, and also just, um, what's going to set you up for instrument really well from what I understand, right. Is to be on flight following and talking to ATC a lot. And, you know, I, you're, when you're starting out, you're even at the check ride point, my experience for all that was pretty minimal. Right. And so then you get out and then you really start to get a sense of what the, you know, cause the whole thing about the communications piece is about understanding, having an expectation of what they're going to ask you and, you can kind of sense things coming, you know, like you, when you're early on with it, you know, just after check ride, you're not really necessarily always familiar with the kind of the, the rat-a-tat of ATC. There's little nuanced things, you know, like, um, like you can kind of hear when somebody starts to kind of clear their desk, right. Mm -hmm. And and all of a sudden they're just, they're just, you know, doing housekeeping and cleaning, cleaning house. And so, you know, well, rapid fire, like I'm going to be on his table here. And so, uh, be listening, you know, just weird little subtleties about, That's uh, right. you know, not missing calls and, and knowing what, you know, you can kind of anticipate and then just little goofy things, you know, like you start to hear, wow, they're sending everybody to this frequency, you know, Memphis center or whatever. I'm just going to go ahead and put that in. Uh-huh. And that's probably working. They're going to tell me, to, you know, just little ways to get ahead, you know, just that's a lot. Right. So all those little, all that little minutia does amount to a, a comfort and an experience that you can only get from just being up there for a while and going someplace. And then you get like the, the new places, the new FBOs, the testing your minimums and, you know, you, you get all of that. I love that stuff too. I love the, like, I love the, the pacing of dialogue with ATC and like, I, I love when all that stuff just works out. And like yeah. when you, you've planned this thing that's coming and you're right. Cause it is what's going to happen. And they get hand off and you like act like, you know what you're doing. And then like, yeah. um, like here's all the little things like these, these are stupid, but like, um, I love when they, when, when you stay with the same controller and they switch you to another frequency, I started doing this like, 18 months ago, probably or two years. I used to be like, they'd say like, you know, um, Scott five, two Lima, um, change to my frequency, you know, one, two, three point one. And I'd say, okay, change into one, two, three point one, change one, two, three point one. I'd be like, three, five, two Lima was on three, one, two, three point. Now I just love this was my favorite little trick from like two years ago. Um, I'll switch their frequency. It's the same controller, you know, and then call them and say, okay, you know, five, two Lima, I'm with you now on one, two, three point one. So only call them once but it accomplishes the same mission, you know, like I don't need to, I need to call them once, change frequencies and talk to them again immediately. Just change frequencies and talk to them. Cause all what they, you know, you're just getting into a better reception. Anyway, those yeah. little things like that, those little like efficiency things that have kind of, um, I love that stuff. I really, yeah, do. it's nice when you, when you, when you get a little bit more experience and you feel like I'm on a roll here, <laughs> like, I, I don't feel weird about any radio calls or things that happened or, you know, and yes, there were some curveballs and some weird stuff, but like, it was fine. It's, a, it's a real confidence builder just grown, to get out there. When so. I'm by myself, I've grown. I never thought it would happen to me. Never that I would be a music listener. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. What a change that has made. I mean, like, I loved, I didn't think I could love being in the air and flying in an airplane anymore until I started like 
bringing music into the environment. And now I'm just like, does this, could this get any better? You listen to air supply and no, I'm listening to, uh, I'm listening to, um, no, no, I can't cross. I could not think of the name. I'm trying to come up with, uh, the, the, your, the, uh, albums that I've got. Oh, geez. Yeah. I couldn't come up with any of the names. Definitely not listening to my stuff, but so I have not, this is the only recently. I am though. Right now. Oh, in the plane. It's, it's on my, I've already digitized. It's on my phone. Yeah. You got a turntable in your plane. That's pretty. Yeah. Amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, no, I, 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 I just got a Bluetooth headset fairly recently. So I I'm on the verge of, uh, you know, uh, tuning out because it'll, it'll, I like the idea too, that I can read, you know, the app will record everything that's happening and it's got little time blocks on the interface on the tablet. And so if you feel like you missed something, you can just go back and re, you know, just yes. I just feel like I'm more, I have enough tools to, to, you know, to not feel like I'm just tuning out. Exactly. Yes, um, exactly. I don't ever want to get into that space uh, either, but I think, you know, I think it's reasonable to have some form of, I mean, I'd be having conversations, you know I mean? It's like, it's no different than if I had a passenger in cruise and we're talking through this whole thing. Like it's easy to, you know, it's like driving people. I was like, don't use your, don't talk on the phone and drive. And I'm like, well, if I had somebody in the car, I'd be talking to them and gesturing and like doing all the, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, where are we? Number nine. Uh, Number nine. I'm odd. You are. I forgot. Um, oh, so, you know, reminder seems kind of dumb, but to take passengers in your airplane, take that very seriously that that's what you're doing and be aware of the effects that that's going to have on your decision-making. It's impossible through your private training to, to really have any sense of what that's about and what that really feels like. And what are the, the nuanced pressures that you can find yourself put under little things, you know, it could just be like, it's cold outside and you're pre-flighting and they just want to get going or, you know, it could just be, a you know, just about anything, um, attention diversion or, you know, whatever. But I find myself really going out of my way when I have passengers of any kind and, you know, making sure that they're totally confident in what's going on and not rushing through and, you know, explaining things in layman's terms without, you know, cause I, you know, you don't want to just start over explaining to them because then it just starts to short circuit them and then they become nervous in a different way. <laughs> it's like this guy won't shut up. So, so, you know, I think that just the decision-making stuff that has to do with passengers, we talked about the weight and balance thing, but I think it's more than that. I think it's about really just recognizing that you haven't been trained in that. And it's something that you only get better at uh, through doing. And I think that, you know, when people first get their check ride done, that's the first, one of the first things you want to do. And everybody here is talking about, I mean, Alyssa's getting called out on the internet or whatever, but that's, silly. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, but ultimately the, um, you know, you're going to take, you're going to take people up. And so you just want to have a really rock solid passenger brief. You want to have a plan, you, you, you know, and there's so many little things that you just don't, think about, you know, and there's some horrible, you know, people walking into propellers or, I mean, you just, there's just so many things, man, 
that you really got to be aware of and be thinking about and you do not get trained on. So I just wanted to make sure we got on the list that I think your first hundred hours is really hugely about understanding how to accommodate safely passengers. I think it's great. There are a million details where, uh, how to keep your feet and legs out of the way of the controls. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot and it changes by plane. It changes by passenger. I guess I've been, I was thinking about when you sent that list, I've been thinking about my passengers and most of mine have been people who have some aviation or are at least pretty interested in aviation so it's been a little different experience because like the people i'm taking are like tell me all the things about everything all the time like you begrudgingly tell them <laughs> right exactly i'm like well i can talk though i'll talk the whole flight like, <laughs> this is great um i haven't really had a ton of experience take i guess my dad you know went with me and um i've had a couple of passengers that weren't super interested but uh i think that makes a difference too I'll that's that's a whole different experience, right? Than like taking super. Um, well, and just there's little pro tips, you know, it's like what I learned is, especially for people that are even, if you have any kind of spidey sense that they're going to be slightly nervous, which most people are, if they're not familiar, you know, do all of the pre-flight and everything fuel everything before they get there. Yeah. And then when they, they don't have 30 minutes to sit around and look at the plane and, and be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just making sure these bolts are still in here. You know, like making sure the uh, elevator is not going to fall off. Like the rudder, the rudder is still connected. Yeah. This thing kind of moves. You don't want to move too much, but you want to move a little bit. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm just making sure we got all that water out of the fuel. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, yeah, there's just a bunch of little stuff like that. And then, uh, and so now we're, yeah, we're coming up on 50 minutes in. So we got about 10 minutes left. And we've got one more to go, and then we'll uh, ask everybody in the chat to throw in what did we miss. Give us your short list uh, and all that. But uh, Chris, take us home with yes. number ten. Number ten <laughs> is <clears throat> on Casey's top forty. Is over prepare. Get weather briefings. Have an alternate. Uh, you know, I guess that. I mean, yeah. That's. I think that's that is the probably the the largest challenge. The further into this you get is like it's the easiest thing to start not doing uh is to you know you, you say, oh, i won't do this one thing this time i won't check this one thing this time like it's gonna be fine uh that's hard yeah you don't want to do the sort of uh what do they say safety erodes and or it's like sort of a death by a thousand paper cuts kind of a scenario but i mean yeah ultimately it seems weird when you're not, you know, it may seem weird to some people. Maybe it isn't to others. I don't know. But, you know, get get a, get a real human being on a weather briefing and go over it. Not just when you're concerned, but just to even confirm what you're already seeing, you know, holistically. And I think that the over-prepare part of that is really about um, when things get shaky. Not if, but when things get shaky. When you get saturated, something unexpected happens you know, whatever, especially with passengers in the plane, all of that. The one thing that's going to really get you through is, you know, 
a, a little bit of underlying confidence that I have prepared. I have prepared for that. Like you can mitigate a lot of surprises and, and issues, you know? So yeah, always have an out, get weather briefings, over prepare. There's no, there's, you don't get any cool points for just like, ah, I'm not going to bother, you know? So, right. uh, you know, and then the one thing we didn't really put in here that we'll just kind of cap it off with ultimately is uh, you should have already read the killing zone one time uh, before you got your license and then, so now you're in your first hundred hours, read it again, because you're about to be at the top amount stupid, uh, in terms of hours and read it again. Yep. I think so. Um, Ben Singer, the sage <clears throat> says, uh, my suggestion, make a concerted effort to keep your good habits that you learned as a student pre-flight, like your student maintain checklist, discipline, etc., etc. Hear that Chris? Oh, I, I do hear it. And, uh, it's important for sure. <laughs> Me too. I need to do like, nobody's perfect, right? No. You're just going to have moments where you just kind of fritz out or forget things or you get thrown out of your routine. Timestamp tether, uh, brings up a good point about uh, checklist discipline. It's easy when you fly <laughs> lots of different tail numbers like Ted, Ted, Ted got a sport, uh, pilot license and has probably flown more airplanes I mean, I don't even know what number he's up to now, but it's like every time I see him, it's in a different, not just like a different of the same make and model. I mean, like different airplanes, like entirely. Yeah. Ted, Ted, you're a wild man. Uh, keep it up. It's, it's inspirational. And go check out Ted's channel too. He's got, it's just, yeah, it's like all these, even ATC is calling up Ted and being like, what is that plane you're flying? <laughs> Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm scrolling back. I'm I'm scrolling yeah. back to look for some content. See what we've missed in the chat. There's yeah, been a lot. You guys are talking to each other, which is great. But we also are trying to uh, leverage you to fill the last yeah. five minutes of our podcast. Uh, Carl Pennington said earlier, um, listening to us, he's realizing his days in the Marines, the helicopter crew chief, put him a long way ahead of the power curve, like marshalling and fueling and dealing with FBOs and stuff. So he, he had a lot of that experience, I guess, in the Marines. So oh, that's yeah, good. That, yeah, to get that kind of insight before you even you know, went down the road, that would be uh, tremendously helpful. Chris, how do you think you would do in the military? Oh, no, I wouldn't make it through basic training. Yeah. I watched, well, that's another story for another. I, mean, <laughs> I saw a YouTube video about like the medical stuff when you come in and my daughter, actually Cecilia made me watch a thing about the peanut butter shot, like the big shot of penicillin in the butt. Like, and it's like this huge, anyway. oh. yeah, I, I saw that. And I thought I wouldn't even get through. I wouldn't make it through. <laughs> even just the prereqs. Nah, I'd be out. I, there's no way. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. I think that's a good list, really. Yeah. I think that uh, pretty much encompasses um it's funny how even the further you get into things, how much of the stuff you kind of reflect on come back around the core tendencies of the training that you had as a I mean they've had they've had, you know, decades to kind of work out the um the training models that work and what what's important and what's not. And I think they've got it refined. It's pretty well refined. Like don't be an idiot. Um, plan, make smart choices. Um, repeat the same, you know, like repeatable actions is what uh, keeps us alive. So be a be a creature of habit and in, in the in the good ways. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that 
I, you know, we'll see how it goes, but everybody says, you know, that you're just, it's never going to get boring, right? You're never, you're never going to get complacent and there's always, you know, you learn something on every flight. You really do. But I do think there's probably something pretty special about that first hundred hours, uh, post check ride, you know, where, um, just the gravity of what you're doing, you get to sort of feel that and the highs and the lows are, uh, still there in, in a good way. Um, and it's, it, it's great to, to just reap the reward of all of the, the hard work, you know, just to get, you know, a lot of people I think get, uh, you know, so head down about training and that's just how it's structured and you get out there and you're like, Oh, right. I did this so I can go places. And, you know, so it's, it's just such an incredible, um, you know, that, that time period, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like moving out of your parents' house and like, I don't know, getting your first apartment or going to college or whatever you're doing. And it's like, man, I can go to sleep whenever I want, wake up whenever I want. And then you realize pretty quickly, like, I can't live like this. I need more help. I got to, I need structure to my life. And then, you know, keep the training mindset. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, that's good stuff. Um, yeah. Big thank you to, uh, we had a great crowd tonight in the chat. It was uh, always good to, uh, I do enjoy, I, I try to pay attention all the time, but I also do enjoy all of the, um, uh, the chat that's happening in the background. This yeah. is part of the community thing. So if you're just checking us out on the audio podcast, that's cool. But if you, if you're ever free on a Wednesday, every other Wednesday night, so, Oh, let's do housekeeping real quick for that too. For those, um, following along, this is episode 27 we would normally be scheduled on the 21st, which is too close to Christmas for me. So that's, this is going to be our last one until after the new year. So January 4th will be our next evening to record. Um, so if you can make it, hang out with us on YouTube at the midlife pilot channel and do check the um, comments, of the YouTube video um, down in the description or of this podcast. If you're looking to join these great communities we have going with the discords or either of our Patreons, um, there's all kind of stuff happening. Um, we're all in there all the time, Brian and I and others, and there's just a whole community that's kind of building here. Um, and not to make it confusing. Cause we've got a question here. Like, Hi, what's the discord? It's a chat server. Um, it's a little confusing in the sense that Chris, you have your own Patreon for your own YouTube, uh, efforts. And then I have my own Patreon for my own sort of efforts and our efforts are sort of different, but common, uh, and then common here. Uh, and then the discord server is something that I cranked up on my Patreon. And then I just jumped in and like, I'm coming there. (laughs) Right, right. But it's no, but it's all good. Like eventually we'll have to figure out some sort of like, uh, you don't have to tear down the wall or, you know, like whatever. Yeah. The, we'll have to figure out some way of, of neatly sort of uh, uh, making that mutually um, visible for either a set of patrons or just redoing it. Or I don't know if anybody has yeah. any ideas on how to like organize things. That'd be awesome. But the cool thing is, is it's a, it's a challenge that is only because things have just been growing and, and uh, you know, the audio uh, podcast is, is doing great. So thanks for everybody for listening to that. And, and, uh, and yeah, the chat here, I mean, you guys don't really talk to us very much. You're talking amongst yourselves. That's fine. Great. We'll take that. Heck yeah. we'll, <laughs> I like, I like, it's kind of like Chris, like we're kind of like the guys at the side, like, uh, you know, there's a party and then we're just sort of in the corner, just sort of nerding out about something while everybody else is you know, having a much <laughs> more, right. it's almost like they're having a better conversation than we are in That's this right. whole podcast. 
That's right. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Um, really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. Um, so let's, uh, Chris, will you send us out of here? Get us out. Let's do this. Yep. Thanks for potting. Thanks for joining. Uh, we'll see you in four weeks from today for the next episode, Jan- uh, January 4th. It'll be 2023, and we'll do another year of this. It's been a great right. year. I hope everybody has a great uh, Christmas and New Year's and any other ho- holiday that you're celebrating this time of year. And um, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for potting, Brian. Thanks, buddy.